Welcome to the podcast of America This Week, courtesy of the Catholic Channel on Sirius XM 129. If you want to listen to more, subscribe to Sirius XM and tune in on Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern on the Catholic Channel, Sirius XM 129. Good day. You're listening to America This Week. I'm Carrie Weber, Executive Editor for America. And I'm Kevin Clark, sitting in for Father Matt Malone. Each week we offer news and analysis from the intersection of the church and the world, gathered by the crack news team at America Magazine. And one of those uh, members is with us Especially today, cracking. Ash- <laughs> Ashley McKinless, who Hello. is an associate editor with us and also a co-host of our premiere podcast, uh, <laughs> Jesuitical. Yes, happy to be here. We will be speaking with Father Charles Ruby, who is the founder and director of Loving Outreach to Survivors of Suicide, which is a non-denominational program offered by Catholic Charities in the Archdiocese of Chicago. Uh, and the article that goes with that, which was written by Ash McKinless, uh, on our website, americamagazine.org. So, Father Ruby, thank you for joining us today, and welcome to the show. Yeah, it's my honor. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I, now, you, the, it says we know your group started in 1979 with one small group. Can you tell us a little bit about how that one small group came together, how this began? Well, <clears throat> uh, these three couples... Um, had joined an organization called Compassionate Friends, which is an international uh, grief support group for parents who have lost a child by any means. And these three couples formed a natural bond because each of them had lost a child to suicide. And they felt that there was something in common with these other parents whose children had died in an automobile accident or cancer or SIDS or some other form of death, they felt that their grief was a little different. So one of the couples, her sister, worked here at the Catholic Charities, and and they approached Catholic Char- Charities to see if there's something that could be done for for this type of, uh, of grief. Um, so I, I was the director of our mental health program at the time, and the administrator asked if I would meet with these with these couples. So I did. I uh, set up a meeting and we met at one of the couples homes and um and really that was the beginning. They through their interaction they convinced me that this was different. And so we began meeting in the one couple's home um and we began publicizing it through the Catholic through the New World and um uh, it was probably we met in the couple's home up in the northwest suburbs, probably for maybe four or five months, and then the group was continuing to grow. So we we went to their local parish and uh, began meeting there. And about the same time, there was a an increase in the suicide, the rate of suicide on the south side of Chicago. So we began a meeting out there in one of the parishes. Um, and then the uh, you know, the program continued to grow, and we tried to meet, uh, establish meetings in the in the geographical areas closer to closest to where the people were from. And um, at about the I don't know how how many years it was a, a year or two, three years maybe. Um, 
there were some issues that they didn't want to, these a few couples didn't want to talk about in public with the group so they asked if they could see me individually and so I began seeing them individually <clears throat> and that's how the <clears throat> how the individual counseling took place or began and um I would send out a letter uh each month with a, a suicide related article and reminding people of of where the uh, the meeting was to take place whether whatever the site was and um that that began that was like a I'd send it out each month and that would be like the beginning of a newsletter and after probably 10 years um I I got permission to hire a survivor and I I saw this lady who had been part of the south side group and and she she was the first staff person we really had and she would because she was a survivor and I felt that um I I never lost anyone a loved one to suicide and, and I thought it would be helpful for someone who answered the phone who could say honestly I know what you're going through I've been there I'm still going through the grieving process Father Ruby, I'm I'm wondering. Um, it's good to talk to you again. Uh, some yeah. people might be surprised or unfamiliar with the term survivor. Why do Why do people who have lost um, someone to suicide uh, refer to themselves as survivors? And what's what is unique about about the grief they experience? Um, well, I um, it's it's such a trauma. Suicide is a different form of death, and uh, they call themselves survivors because they are surviving this traumatic experience. Probably the most, uh, for I would say virtually all of them, the most, uh, the most traumatic experience of their life, to lose a loved one to suicide. And as I said, suicide is different. So that's, I mean, they, they look, I mean, you've, you've got cancer survivors, you've got um, other, you know, type of survivors. And they just felt that theirs was a survivor, and it was one of the founding members' daughter who came up with the with the name "Lost Loving Outreach to Survivors of Suicide." Um, and they really it 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 was, it was a started out as a quasi self uh, uh, self help group. You know, you bring people together who have experienced a a common trauma, and they really they really help each other because. They know they're not alone. They know that everyone in that room that's at part of a meeting uh, knows what they're going through because they walk in their shoes. So that's, I think, why they call themselves survivors. Is it possible to to draw generalizations about the experience of grieving after suicide? That um, or is every is every uh, situation uh, indi- so individual uh, and and so unique? I mean, how? Can you can you walk us through how you might counsel a survivor of suicide in the family differently than than someone who's just experienced I don't want to say just but who's experienced uh, death a in a, a different death? way? Yeah, I mean well, another form of death. Another yeah. Form of death. Well, I think um, you know if someone if someone loses a loved one, say to cancer or 
in an automobile accident or murder or some other form of death, you know, they know why that person died. With suicide, this mm-hmm. was, makes it different. Survivors, my own, and I, I've evolved over these past, it's almost 40 years. Um, I, I, they don't know precisely why. So they're haunted by that, that question of why. It's not something. Yes, yes. And, you know, what did I do? What did I do that um, that might have contributed to this loved one's suicide? So uh, that's, um, uh, I mean, that's the difference. And I have, I, I have come to believe that survivors have to be able to live with mystery, never knowing precisely why their loved one died. Um, I mean, maybe even you know, people who suffer from mental illness and statistics, statistically, research has uh, has pretty much concluded that people who complete suicide uh, do so after a result of some form of mental illness. The vast, vast, vast majority of people suffer from some form, whether it's anxiety, depression, whatever form of mental illness, but generally it is some form of and and but there are other people walking around who might experience the same kind of illness schizophrenia depression manic depression anxiety you know why was my loved one why did my loved one take their life and someone else is walking around not taking their life so that is the reason um that uh you know the, the people they don't know exactly why and I was with a lady yesterday whose son just died in November, and um, uh, she's a professional. She's a chiropractor, and her son was, I think, 18 or 19 years old. He was adopted, and um, she's she, there is a note. He left a note, and she hasn't read it, and she's she's looking for reasons why her son took his life. She wants to talk to two friends of his to see if they have any insight as to why he took his life. So people look for answers. And um, the notes I've read over the years never give a precise answer of why they're taking their life. The notes are very anodyne. They, you know, they're not blaming anyone. They, If it's a parent, a child, uh taking his life. He says, I love you. Don't blame yourselves. You were good parents, so forth. And the, the, um, the letters, I, the notes I've read were, uh, were never indicting anyone. Um, and so people don't know precisely what was so bad that, um, that this loved one took his life or, or her life. I, I was talking to a lady this morning and, um, I, uh, I've known the family for years. Uh, when she was, I, and I don't know, she's married. She's got three boys. I suppose she's, uh, her boys are 26, 24, and 23, so I suspect she's probably somewhere around 50. Anyhow, when her brother died, um, I, I was asked, in, in, in those years, it was kind of a small, smaller program, so... I went out, uh, someone called me and said, you know, I think you should go out to this wake. You know, this is someone, a 17-year-old boy took his license over. So I went out to the wake the morning of the funeral and um, uh, expressed my sympathies. I didn't say who I was. Uh, It was in the southwest suburbs of Chicago. 
and I kind of celebrated at the mass. They were Catholic, and I was going to meet. The, I intended to meet the family after the mass to tell them who I was and why I was there and services that we provide and so forth. So after the mass, I, uh, I something just stood out to me when I uh, during the homily, uh, the priest did, you know did not make reference and talked about this this young man as being kind of he was um uh like saint john the evangelist uh, kind of a free-spirited mystical type person so anyhow after the mass i i asked the priest i said you know is is there any uh, is there any question that this was not a suicide we looked at me he said suicide are you kidding this family is too good a family to have a suicide I said, oh, okay, all right. So I, I, I saw the funeral director, and I asked him the same question. He said, oh, God, no, it wasn't suicide. He had everything to live for. No, it was an accident. Well, the circumstances were he drove the car into the garage, closed the door, and um, left the motor running and died of carbon monoxide poisoning. And so I just got in my car. And said, well, I'm not going to touch this. So I got in my car went back to uh, to the office downtown Chicago, and about three weeks later, this lady called me and said, you know, someone told me I should call, I'd talk to you. And um, I said, okay. So I set up an appointment, and uh, my son just recently died. But I, so anyhow, I, she came in, she came into me. She looked at me when she came into my office and said, oh, you look familiar. And I said, well, I, I was at your son's funeral, um, but um, I was going to meet you, but... I, I only work with people who've lost someone to suicide. And she said, well, I, you know, I'm beginning to think maybe my son's death was suicide. At the beginning, their justification was he just pulled into the garage, closed the door, was listening to the radio, and fell asleep and, and died. Uh, when, in fact, it was a suicide. Well, this woman called me today. It was his sister, and she's worried about one of her sons. Uh, he's real anxious. He's trying to find someone. He's very successful. He's an architect and can't seem to find it. Well, she's worried. You know, I've been through this with my brother. Is this something I have to worry about with my son? Um, and so I, I tell that story because, you know, people don't want to uh, think it was a suicide. I mean, I worked with a lady because suicide, because of its stigma attached you know, the, the family is a failure or the marriage is a failure if you lost a spouse. You know, people who complete suicide die from an illness. And that's the one thing we try and emphasize. And my approach in working with families as I have these almost 40 years is I'm very honest with them in the grieving process. Um, I, I don't mince any words. Uh, you know, I... This experience is going to be with them for the rest of their lives, this experience of losing a loved one to suicide. My goal, the goal of the program, is to help them incorporate this trauma into their lives so that they can continue living and they can experience joy again and you pleasure. Yeah, you mentioned um, this, the stigma that does does exist yeah. around suicide. Um, and I think a lot of Catholics that I've talked to, if if they know anything about what the Catholic 
church teaches. They they think that the Catholic Church, you know, says if you commit suicide, you're going to hell. Um, yeah. That's that's not necessarily true. But can you can you explain a little bit um, what the Catholic Church does teach, um, how that's changed, um, and maybe how how it could help to reduce the stigma that still exists? Well, I think uh, you know for for years, centuries, you know, if you were took your life, you, you went to hell. You weren't buried in consecrated grounds. You were denied a massive Christian burial and so forth. Um, unfortunately, so what the church, I think with Vatican II, they made some some progress, and they they looked upon this and from a pastoral point of view. Why, these people feel stigmatized by uh, because of suicide. Why further uh, stigmatize them by denying them a massive Christian burial and burying in consecrated ground? Um Unfortunately, so the, the, the catechism, current catechism, still labels it a sin, but they say, they add that there are, in most instances, there are extenuating circumstances that would mitigate the, the seriousness. And, and so it's, they don't come out and say they're, they're not in hell, but they don't say they are in hell either. But unfortunately, there are priests in, um, uh, in our archdiocese, and I'm sure it's not just unique to this, that... I mean, I've, I've dealt with a number of families. I was uh, where they went to the church to uh, ask for prayers for their for their loved ones, for their parents, siblings, anyone else, because they lost a, a, a very close relative to suicide. And the one, and I've had a number of instances, more than just two or three, a number of instances where the priest response is, "Well, you know, your loved one is in hell." Oh my goodness. Um, yeah, I, I have the same reaction. And so I've, I, we have a Spanish-speaking group, and um, uh, I went out to one. It was before Christmas, and the uh, they, it wasn't Spanish. This the clinician uh, is a, is from Mexico, and he um, he translated, and someone else was translating, and then and I and. They were traumatized. All, all of them had lost sons. There were about 12 people at the meeting, and they had all lost sons. And one of them had said, uh, you know, I went to my parish priest, and he said my son was in hell. And I said, yeah, I don't believe that. I said, and there were four families represented there. I said, I will come out to your house, and I will bless all of them had died at home. I will bless the place where your son died because I think, I believe that this is holy ground, this is holy place, it's sacred. It's where your sons found peace and were engulfed by God. And so their fa- four families took me up on it, and, and um, I, I've been to two of their homes, and i got two more to go this month. Um, but I, I, I believe that it's sacred ground. So we have a little service. We read a, a scripture passage. I usually use the passage from St. Luke chapter 18 about Zacchaeus, you know, and today salvation has come to this house. And, you know, you bless it, you sprinkle water, and um, that helps people to know that their loved ones are not in hell. That's is what is they, that a service you've sort of uh, devised yourself, or does the church? Yeah, yeah. Well, no, that's, that's really I interesting. Yeah, I devise it myself. But I mean, that's, we see, that's what we ahead. do, right? We ritualize these painful experiences, and and it helps people though. Exactly. To move and I and I'm a great believer in rituals, and 
you know, I, I, I encourage people. I said, you know, during these uh, holiday times and so forth, remember your loved one. I said, a tragedy worse than your loved one's death would be if they were forgotten. And these rituals help people. You know, it could be a lighted candle next to a picture of their loved one. And um, so they're still a member of that family. Whether right. it's, you know they're here or they're in the hereafter, they're still a member of that family. Right. That's and a... the rituals, I think, almost give you know that relieves them. The the one I was with this past Monday, you know, they were feeling very good. This young man uh, was married, had a little four year old child, and his wife was there. They live in this in the uh, Hispanic neighborhood, in Chicago, and. Um, I, I just you know you try and tell people no your loved ones are not in hell, and but there's there's belief I was sharing with one of my colleagues here at the Catholic Charities you know I was telling him and he's from he's got uh, Mexican heritage, and I said you'll never believe what I've been going through with these Mexican they're all from Mexico, and I told him you know and I said there are priests there, uh, and I'm not so sure if they're I didn't even know what nationality they were but they said their loved ones are in hell. And I said, I assure them that they're with God. And this priest said, well, how do you know? And I said, well... It sounds I, like we have a lot believe... of work to do on this on this issue. And Pardon me? It sounds like Pardon we have me? a lot of work to do uh, on this issue. And uh... Yeah, and thank you for yeah. the work that you have been doing, Father Ruby. It sounds like loss is a real, uh, a real resource for the people of Chicago and, uh, and that area. And uh, do you have a website? We do, yeah. It's it's uh, there is one. Uh, it's Ashley. How how did you find our, our website? <laughs> Ashley? Do you have the website? I think I think if you go to the Catholic Charities um, right. of of Chicago website, there's there's a link to Lost there. That's where I would direct. Program, yeah. All right. So if you want to learn yeah. more, thank you so much, Father Ruby. We can uh, send them to the Archdiocese of Chicago Catholic Charities. We appreciate your time with us today. We're oh, running out of time, but thank honor. you for your work and for being on the show. It's my honor. Thank you so very much. And for folks who want to learn more about Father Ruby's ministry and hear more stories from the folks affected uh, that Ashley spoke to, you can go to americamagazine.org slash serious and read her really superb article, How One Catholic Ministry is Helping Families Deal with the Devastating Aftermath of Suicide. Bring some tissues with you when you <laughs> start yeah. that one. Yeah, that was really well reported, Ashley. Thank An you. excellent job. You can find all of our content that we talked about today at americamagazine.org slash Sirius XM and to subscribe to America you can call 1-800-627-9533 and you can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter etc. Uh, thanks very much for joining us today for my colleagues Ashley McKinless and Kevin Clark this is Carrie Weber signing off have a great day Thank you for listening to the podcast of America This Week, courtesy of the Catholic Channel on Sirius XM 129. If you want to listen to more, subscribe to Sirius XM and tune in on Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern on the Catholic Channel, Sirius XM 129.